Welcome, friends, countrymen. Lend us your ears as we discuss today's film, The French Dispatch. I'm curious to hear what people think about this movie, because I think there, there have been a lot of different opinions going around. Yeah, weird. Very odd. I feel like that happens a lot with, with Wes Anderson's films. Yeah, but They're, this one... This one, this is one more so more, than usual more, is a bit yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chandler has a vague idea of what I think, but I'm, I, I don't I, think I, I do. Might have misled like him. I don't know. It's it's impossible to not at least like a Wes Anderson movie. Sure. But we are we're both discussing this film for the first time. I watched it last night for the first time. So this is this is both fresh and I haven't had too much time to think about it. Chandler has had plenty of time. Two Did weeks. you watch it again? Oh, two weeks. No, my brother wants to watch it. So I've been, he's been out of town. So I'm waiting for him to come back to watch it. Okay. Which sucks because it it's about to uh, it's about to leave theaters. It's already on its way out, unfortunately. But uh, yes, the French Dispatch. Hold on, let me get my intro. Yes, please. Ready. Chandler will intro the the film so you know what we're talking about. I'm gonna do a better All job. Right, I wrote that. it down. I wrote it down. So great. Um, the French Dispatch is an anthology film directed by Wes Anderson that centers around the titular French Dispatch, a newspaper that is about to release its final issue following the death of its creator slash editor Arthur Howitzer Jr. It features a cast of literally everyone as it presents its various stories, articles, and columns in vignette form, boasting cha uh, changing aspect ratios, both color and black and white, and animated segments. Oh, Wes Anderson. I feel like we could... <laughs> I don't know. I, I saw a review the other day that said Wes Anderson is the most unique voice in American comedy since Preston Sturges. And I, I disagree with this statement on multiple levels, and yet I agree with it. Uh, okay. The first off is that Preston Sturges was not a unique voice in uh, American cinema because we've forgotten about him as a director. And if he was that unique, we wouldn't I don't forget. even know who that is. There you go. See, his, his films are painfully classic Hollywood. Sure, the comedy itself could have a unique voice, but you need, I think, in order for a director to truly have a unique voice, you need to have a unique visual style as well. I agree. It's 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 a visual medium. You can't just have a unique way of writing dialogue. That's not how that works. Wes Anderson, I think, is the most unique director America has produced. Yeah, the, speaking purely in a visual style, there is there are and very writing. few directors. Yeah, yeah, there are very few directors where you can literally look at one frame and be like, I know exactly who that is. He is the American version of Ozu or Godard or. Yeah, you know, these kinds of directors that are like you, you just, you know them, their style is kind of a world unto themselves. And I like, we have, obviously we have better directors, maybe depending on your opinion, but like Orson Welles is a pretty um, unique guy, but he has a very like classical way of filming that a lot of people have uh, followed over the years. And so it has become less unique over time, not necessarily his fault. But his yeah. films don't like stand out as like really unique uh, aesthetic expressions in the way that something like Wes Anderson or Ozu might, um, even though like they're still really quality. That's yeah, not yeah. a mark of quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wes Anderson is certainly the. I don't know, like how you good like I, I'm not sure anyone else comes close in terms of like directors that are so fully American in the way that they they do stuff and yet also unique and completely unlike anything else that well that's the thing anyone else who works in hollywood even know if i necessarily say wes anderson's style is american it feels more european to me than anything especially this movie 
See, I I don't think the iconography of his movies are are very European. I I think he's American in the sense that he is an American director, and yeah. it especially when you have um, Ameri- Hollywood and European films particularly are essentially so interlinked in terms of like cross cultural. Uh, yeah. That like there's not much of a difference. Like when I say American, I mean he's just a American director, not necessarily yeah. like yeah, yeah, something quintessentially a, like small town American kind of director. Which which is like interesting Kelly, because Kelly he is, might be one of yeah. the most American directors I think working today in terms of like really like today small town like actual grounded American. But that not the point. The point is is Hollywood yes. produced a director like Wes Anderson, he is a product of this film market Mm. and he is making really interesting, unique films and somehow still getting funding and actors and everything and power to him. Yes. Uh, Yeah. He, well, I didn't know you started with this. (laughs) Well, I, I guess you could just start with your, your opening thoughts of I liked it or didn't. Oh, well, I fucking love it. I really I didn't expect to like it as much as I did because the the Wes Anderson movies that I don't like, which the only two are the ones that I feel like are all I hate saying what, style over substance. Because what are those style, two? Uh, Moonrise Kingdom and Steve Zizou. I don't like either of those. And Moonrise Kingdom more so Steve Zizou. I'm, I, I have an asterisk by my not liking it because I feel like if I give it a second watch, I, I will probably like it. Moonrise Kingdom, I've given many chances I don't like. Because the reason I don't like Moonrise Kingdom is that I feel like the style is so dominant that there's not really much else to hold on to emotionally, story-wise. There's not there's not a character I enjoy. There's no this, this story doesn't really do much for me. And everything I saw from this where I'm like, this is fucking wild. There, there's black and white, there, there's different aspect ratios, there's like it's a vignette, there's a fuck ton of characters. I thought there's no way that this is going to be as resonant as some of his previous stuff this feels more like a style exercise but it's he's going so far with it that i thought okay that's fine i was so delightfully surprised that i felt that this was really one of his most emotionally resonant i was surprised at how much i felt watching this movie despite the fact that it has like 30 there's not even a main character the main character is the paper the the anthology thing is not just like you know story after story after story it's all structured around this final issue of this paper um, where each of the vignettes are different articles in the paper. Um, there's technically five, but there's only three big ones. Yeah, I think this is this is a film that does the anthology idea correctly in that it is a a film with an overarching uh, plot, an overarching idea, but yeah. is filled with anthology stories that all link together very specifically. I agree with a lot of what you just said. And this is one of the movies where I, I was kind of forced to watch the trailer because I, I, I went to the loft so many times and they were just playing yeah, it. Play I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get up from the loft. I mean, that's it's a pain in the ass. It's not like other theaters like AMC where you have the big reclining chairs and you're kind of you have room. If you get yeah. up, you're not going to be bothering people in the aisle. Um, mm. So I'm fine running out of the theater when licorice pizza, the licorice pizza trailer comes on, not bothering anyone with that action. Although I did get a, a weird look from the people sitting to my uh, left. Um, 
Well, because you you closed your eyes, you put your fingers in your ear, and you started shouting, right? La 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 la. la. Yeah, no. Uh, but I had a similar. Uh, uh, I didn't really absorb a lot of the trailers. Like I, I just kind of like glazed over. Like okay, it's another Wes Anderson film. I'm gonna watch it. I don't want to. I don't want to input put any of this to memory to ruin yeah. the the new fresh experience. So as much as possible, having watched the trailer a couple times, I, I went in fairly blind. I had a similar kind of uh, reaction as you did, except it was within the space of the film itself. Not like so how you were like going into it is like, oh, this is going to be a lot of style over substance. And you're, okay. you weren't sure how much you were going to like it. I was, you know, about one third of the way through the film. I was like, this is a lot of style. This is this is, might be the most stylish Wes Anderson film. Uh, I'm not sure how invested I am in any of this. And um about two thirds of the way through the film, I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm not sure where it stands, but I'm, and then I got to the end and, and I don't know, despite all of my reservations and I do have some, it was a very effective piece of work. And I was <laughs> emotionally affected at the end. And I, I, I was thinking back as I was watching the trailer, uh, not the trailer, the credits It's like, I think that really worked as a film altogether. I don't think I was particularly necessarily engaged all the time, but whatever it was, it all added up to something really special and something really unique. And it was certainly a heck of a lot of style. I think maybe too much in certain oh. certain areas. I think it, it, it would have benefited. <laughs> and maybe the style wasn't necessarily the issue, but it would have benefited from some um, some grounding in some of the stories that I felt they were too a little manic, like all like cutting one place to another before it had established some of the the basic who, what, when, where, why kind of stuff. I felt like I could have had a better grasp on some stuff before it started doing all this kind of. But to me, that's like part of the appeal because never before. I mean, I watch all Wes Anderson movies a lot, but this one, I was so excited to watch it a second time because it's so fucking dense. There's uh, one. I'm scene, getting more excited for a second viewing. Yeah, there's one scene at the beginning in particular where I thought, "Am I even going to be able to process this?" It's the scene where the guy is preparing Walter Howardson Jr.'s meal, and it's like a it's like a scene where he's like moving the tray, he's pouring the mm. wine, he's getting the cheese, <laughs> and like all that is happening. It's this really intricate little this set piece where he's preparing this meal, all while we're getting a very detailed backstory of this character. I'm like, I can't focus on both of these at once. Yeah, so uh, that, that's the thing I'm talking about. Like, it was a bit too much, and you needed to be able to grasp onto some of these things a little easier. Like, it needed to be a little quieter in a few um, of, the, like, the basic storytelling moments so it could then get kick into high gear of the the aesthetic, stylistic moments. And you're already on board. You don't need to understand more. You're already grounded yeah but for me like i can see how people think that that's like overwhelming but when i see that i don't feel overwhelmed i just think there's a lot to unpack here i'm excited to mm -hmm. watch it again because like god that whole so there, there's five stories basically there's the eulogy at the beginning for arthur howitzer jr which basically is the setup for the whole movie d explains who he was what the paper is all about who works there whatever uh and then there's the next vignette which is like completely separate from everything but i just love it which is just Owen Wilson bicycling through the town where he goes full Jacques Tati. It's, it's fucking great. It's, it's, it's the segment I, I might be most looking forward to watching again because there are so many you details. As you, you can't, you can't like process all of it. That one more than anything, like the, the scene where Ennui comes to life, where like it literally goes from still empty streets to bustling town in the, in the span of like 30 seconds. This is, this is a movie where like it, it it made me roll my eyes at some points at the beginning where I was like, oh, this is too much style. 
And like that, that shot you were talking about with the going around yeah. in the, the doll, I was like, eh, okay. And like, I was feeling a little annoyed with, with Wes Anderson. And yet it won me over as the film went on. Yeah. It's one thing if it's, if it's just visual overload, but oh, like, it's not, don't take it as so... a criticism. It was just yeah, the way yeah. I reacted to it on a, yeah. on a purely visceral level and then got used to it. Yeah, it's so just like I was watching just before we started. There's a little video on the Fox Searchlight YouTube channel um, where they go. They they um, give you a little behind the scenes of the miniatures. And I'm like, there's so many fucking miniatures. I didn't I didn't even realize were miniatures. You know, we, we mentioned uh, Wes Anderson getting funding. Uh, but this is a movie that was made for twenty twenty four million dollars. Twenty four. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, I just assume that the cast doesn't work for anything at all. Um, because yeah. each one of <laughs> yes. them, each one of them could have been paid 25 million in their own right on like a Marvel film. Yes. But obviously not the case here. Um, but the amount of production design and value and cinema that Wes Anderson can achieve in a budget of 25 million. I mean, my God, there's no excuse to be <laughs> spending hundreds of millions of dollars on stuff. Jesus, like you're this is this is like economical storytelling and just he is so wild. Like I I was seeing shots. There's particularly there's a few shots where the the camera dollies through like still vignette tableaus of scenes of where like people um it's a scene of like a bar fight and everyone's held in position. Yeah, yeah. And I was like each one of these is a completely different set for like a five second visual thing yes. and these are completely different uh, extras that are here with costumes that probably weren't used again in the film like how did you make this on 25 million this is brilliant yeah. but i think what like pushes this over like if this was purely just like a style exercise i would still think it's great um but i think what pushes this over the edge for me is that i was just absolutely floored at how it, the, the the movie to me the way i see it it's essentially about the the creative process the process of writing yeah and yeah. all the it, characters well, about, are writers it's a, it's a love letter to journalism but i think you hit the nail on the head it's even more than that i felt like there was something a bit more uni universal about it because i was yeah. feeling very inspired after watching this in my yeah own yeah artistic endeavor um the only the, what reminded me most is a uh, split take fan favorite topsy-turvy where <laughs> <laughs> it's about the massive undertaking of this giant creative project instead of it being wrapped up in egos and in central characters it's just a bunch of little artists collaborating practicing things that seeing if things will work um but what i was just i was so floored at just the layered way it it, it um it sort of these writers are all different kinds of writers like uh, Frances McDormand's character is like an objective journalist. Her job is to just observe and report. She doesn't like to meddle. She doesn't like to change history, get involved in any sort of way. Uh, Tilda Swinton is like barely a journalist. I find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's essentially just recapping things she likely read in another <laughs> article. Because that story is like the framing device for that story is it's like Grand Budapest Hotel-esque. It's the it's the newspaper story, which is the story about her recollecting the story that she heard, which is the story of this painter Rosenthal in his uh, uh, art or whatever. And it's funny, like a uh, uh, contrast between the two of them is that Tilda Swinton is like very upfront is like, oh, yeah, I had an affair with this this man. And it's really, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm not neutral here at all. And, and it, by contrast, yeah, um, Timothy Chalamet and um, Francis McDormand, Francis McDormand yeah. do have an affair together, but but she doesn't like mention it at all. 
Yeah. She's like, I, this strictly, this is not my journalism. Well, you have, yeah, it's like, Friends of Dormand is like investigative. Tilda Swinton is like a summarization specialist or whatever. And then Jeffrey Wright's, his, his that story was my favorite. I, I, I thought was going Wright... to ask which one was your favorite. And Jeffrey Wright's story was like, it, it became my favorite early on. Like, I didn't even need to cut to the story yeah. in order to like already get onto his character and like how he was presenting the whole he he thing. god i hope he he joins the the wes anderson main cast because i thought he fucking killed it in this he movie. did he did a really good job and him his character is like his whole thing is that he just wants to write he wants to express himself it's not about the story or how it factors into like everything else because there's like a point where bill murray asks him like this is supposed to be about food isn't it <laughs> and it becomes this whole other story about a kidnapping thing. And I think him more than almost the other two, he he disappears into his story. Like he's there in the yeah. Like he starts out very much on the forefront uh, in the beginning, and you're introduced to him. But as the story goes on, he almost disappears into the whole narrative, and that almost yeah. seems like the most um, like engrossing, almost journalistic type thing, where the the actual his voice comes through, and yet it is fully in, invested just in the narrative of what's going on yeah because he's not there necessarily to report he's there to express himself by immersing himself in these stories that can then be repurposed as news um but like what i think really ties it all together is bill murray's character who's not as present as the other characters but i really enjoy his character because he sees both the, the creative process as like an art form he respects these writers He's not like he's not just milking them for stories for money, but he all is also like he has restraint. He has he gives them restrictions. He understands that it's a business. So while he wants these artists to flourish, to to write to the best abilities, he's also like, OK, how am I going to turn this into a paper? Even at the beginning, when they're saying that, like, we can't do another double issue, he said, we're not cutting a single one of these. It's like it's a very multi-layered analysis of just like creativity and writing and like the both the business and the personal side and i was like i was not expecting that at all that's fucking yeah. insane one of the i think it's one of the criticisms that people have been uh levying at the film is that it's kind of like all over the place and that it is something of a it's an anthology like they're they're saying that it's a lot of style you don't really get into it too much um but i think i think people who who think don't necessarily think that but like what after you watch it and you think well that was really interesting stylistically or like but i couldn't get into any particular story on its own and, and you're looking for something a bit more like three-act structure type deal yeah. the thing that i admire the most about this film is that it's not it's not bad at all no. And I think there we need to make room for stories like this more often. Like I really admire what this this film is doing, at least on a um, technic on a theoretical level, of portraying a like a journalistic endeavor of like each segment is someone is another like writing person writing their article. They're completely separate, and it's all coming together to like a bigger whole. Like I love that framing device, and it's such an interesting framing device. And different in a way that, you know, the Grand Budapest Hotel, it's for all of its its uniqueness. It's a fairly standard framing. It is. Like someone, it's just weirdly. It takes a while to get it's there. extra. It's it's it's, it's layering a doll of story yeah. of fairly standard cinematic storytelling devices. This is I can't really think of anything quite like this. Of, it's, yeah. 
I'm sure I'm sure there's something. Um, the way it all comes together is like it feels at the end. I was, I was thinking to myself, like this feels like a magazine version of a movie. And yeah. I think he, he yeah. nails that in that it's not just I think it would be the wrong move to make it more connected and three act like give Bill Murray's character some kind of story arc or something. The kind of disconnect between that makes it very much feel like here we're reading this article and we're moving on to the next one and each one has something different to offer. And at the end of it, that segmentation of the narrative and its its uniqueness is what I think makes it ultimately work really well because Wes Anderson is doing something new and he's doing it really well. It's not just uh, a lazy kind of, oh, no. here's three different it articles. Farthest each. from lazy. Right. Yeah. And there's so much effort and care put into it that, you know, it might not be for some people the most emotionally investing, like they mo- might be expecting more uh, character and through lines. But I would like just suggest like give it give it a chance as something new and worthwhile that, you know, you don't always need the kind of succinct, full yeah. story but arc see, kind of thing going on. And there is an arc, but it's, yeah, it, it's there's many arcs. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I'd well, say like the whole thing is about you're getting to know all these people so that yeah. at the end, it, then it ends. It, it's emotionally impactful, that last scene, because you you feel some kind of connection after being through these experiences with these journalists and when they all come together at the end to, to write the article together, it feels like yeah. you're, you're part of part of something you're with them in that room. Yeah. But the, I think what, but that a thing that I've heard a lot of people say about this and people just say it about Wes Anderson in general. So part of me feels like it's like a lazy criticism that people just jump to when they don't know how to explain themselves, but they, they feel that this movie in particular is very uh, cold, distant and lacking in emotion <clears throat> and I understand that with, again, the movies I don't like. Zizu, even though, though I don't like it, I feel like that movie's very emotional. Moonrise, not so much for me. But, like, I never understood this idea that he's not emotional. Because fucking Tenenbaums and Budapest Hotel, I think, are just but so powerfully emotionally resonant. A quick addendum to, to what I just said and also to add to this is that, like, even if it wasn't emotionally um, connecting, that's not in and itself an issue. No, it's not. It's not like there are different ways. And we, we mentioned this when we were talking about Dune. There's different ways a director might approach telling a story. And yeah. I think it would be it's it's wrong. Like the criticism itself is is. Wrong to <laughs> approach a film in what you would like it to be rather than what it's trying to to give you. Yeah, but there there are certain moments in this like I think this is maybe this is why people think it's so scattered, but there's these tiny little moments of just pure poetry and beauty that they don't linger on them for too long. Uh, but there's like uh, one of them that I think is interesting is the fact that Timothy Chalamet, spoiler alert, uh, Timothy Chalamet's character in the second uh, story dies. <laughs> he dies and he's repurposed into like a Shea Guevara esque merch type thing. He's like a martyr <laughs> for a revolution, but they're using him as a brand, which I think is just fascinating um jeffrey wright has this moment in the third one where he has like a discarded thing that he didn't want to put in bill murray makes him read it and he puts it in about the fact that uh stephen park who plays the 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 police chef who has tasted everything uh finally found a taste that he had not tasted but it was ironic because the taste was poison (laughs) just and one of the most like beautiful little 
twists, I want to say, in the whole movie is at the end of the first, well, the first big story, the Rosenthal, the painter story. Um, when Rosenthal is given like a whole year and a half to like make an exhibition of 10 portraits. Um, and then everyone shows up, flies from Kansas to uh, France or whatever, and he's painted them into the walls. Um, <laughs> I love how is... also that, that feels like a that whole scene of all the, the art critics and people going into the prison felt like the exact reverse of the prison escape from Grand yeah. Budapest. And then when, uh, God, it's such a fucking funny movie too. When Adrian Brody opens the door and all the prisoners are ready to riot and he like closes <laughs> the door, but they just bust through the wall. <laughs> That's, and I love it's, here's the one thing I could say. It's like, this is such a, it's a high quote unquote highbrow film. Like this is not a lowbrow film. Like it, it's, it, it has, I don't like using this word, but it's pretentious, not necessarily as, as, I don't yeah, yeah, as a criticism yeah. or anything. But, you know, one of these moments where, like, they have a whole argument about uh, Adrian Brody's character is upset because they're frescoes. <laughs> and, like, the, the, the argument and the tension comes from the fact that they're fresco paintings and not just paintings on canvas. Like, how esoteric <laughs> and, and bourgeoisie <laughs> of an argument could you get? It's great. It's, it's funny in how absurdly, like upper class and pretentious it is but it's pretentious in like a very lighthearted way and i think one of the things that really works about this this movie is it doesn't take itself too seriously uh, like yeah. it, it hardly it, it does at its end at the at like at the very end you get like a this film is dedicated to a bunch of famous journalists and writers and that was like the only point where like you could feel like wes anderson's like this means something but no entire, i would argue well the the one moment in particular is uh, in the third, the last story when the the father reunites with his son, which was just beautiful. It was animated. He slaps him. Sure, like it, you can find meaning in it, but it very quickly yeah. moves on, and it's it, you don't take it too seriously. Like there's not like the sense of gravitas to the whole thing of like self importance. And I, I, yeah. perhaps that's the thing like it, it's so much style but it's not self-important in its style yes and that's what yes. makes it so light and breezy and able to just kind of you can enjoy it and once you get used to it as in my case you're just kind of there to kind of have fun with it just and the music i think it was really good as well a a question a point of of clarification i wasn't quite sure did uh rosenthal and the 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 actor who played Zero in Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> Did they switch places in prison? Is that what happened or? No, no, that's that was again. That's like a little. There's so many little moments in this movie where I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, um, I wasn't sure what happened. There, Zero right? was playing. So it was like a flashback. Zero was playing the young version of him. So the flashback ends. And instead of like cutting to the present, they literally just switch Benicio Del Toro with Zero. Like instead of it being yeah, a I, I get okay, so I'm 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 here with this weird dumbstruck look on my face. I get it. I understand that. It's just weird. But I'm trying to figure out what I think about that. I think that's fucking hilarious. Because again, it's just it's it's the style is all over the place. It's intrusive at times, but like to a playful degree. I mean the fucking climax of this movie is animated out of nowhere. <laughs> Which is just funny. I, I um, one of my favorite little visual gags where it's like it's not even particularly it wasn't the funniest thing in the film, but I just love in that in that um, animated car chase where they they stop 
and the the guy flies out of the who's on the the front the guy's in the hood of the car yeah yeah he flies into a window and then they go chasing through the sewers and everything and completely out of nowhere you don't expect it and then they run back and return to the cars and get back in and that and that guy jumps out of the window back onto the hood of the car like this whole it's like a sidetrack and you right back to where you started and it was very funny i was like i wasn't expecting that at all it's just yeah it's such a funny movie i just i i I can understand why people think it's overwhelming it's too much it's all over the place but like the that that element to it made it unpredictable which made it exciting for me i like i literally never knew where it was going i would levy that criticism at it is a bit overwhelming it's a bit too much at times um but i think it, it for me it worked at the end of the day like at the end of the film despite whatever kind of like oh i didn't quite get this or this kind of threw me off for a, a little bit it worked and i was invested and i really liked and at the end i just was left with this like nice cozy feeling that i like yeah. to get from wes anderson movies and i would say that that kind of manic all over the place creative energy is um it can be difficult to deal with on a first viewing but i think this is a film that is going to reward repeat viewings yeah uh, there's also just another little beautiful moment that I think encapsulates it all very well towards the end um, when they're writing the eulogy. They're all like doing a collaborative eulogy, which I think is cute. That all the characters are working on this together. Um, and Owen Wilson's character says, as they begin the eulogy, he said he was born on a holiday. And somebody's like, "Is that true?" And he's like, uh, "No, I don't think it is." It's just like because it does the whole thing. It doesn't matter. It's not about whether or not it's true. It's about whether or not how it makes you feel. It's not facts. It's a story. It's just little little touches like that. I don't know. It's, it's I love it. You know, it's an ode to journalism, but it's also an ode to storytelling itself. And yes, a yes. a call for for the people the people who venture out into the world into these crazy situations, and whether it's for journalist intentions, whether it's just news, whether it's research for a novel or for a movie or whatever there's there's something honorable about that and something really fun and i think this film taps into that kind of creative energy of of real real life creatives like there's nothing yeah nothing about this movie is grounded in reality and yet <laughs> no. i can't think of a better film that that honors the the artistic integrity of writers and journalists not necessarily of journalism itself yeah but of the writers and the storytellers it's the, oh God, remember the part of the movie where one there's like one character that Timothy Chalamet knows and he gets sent to the military, but he escapes the military <laughs> camp. And he comes back and he asks how he did it. And they they <laughs> explain it, it a through cut, a stage like a play. play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's one like one of those things where like it, it seemed a little too tangential every once in a while. Stuff that I think I'm going to appreciate on, yeah. on reviewings, but I might not necessarily like fully uh get invested in in the moment of watching the film yeah i think it, i think this just harkens back to our discussion we had when we compared our favorite bong joon ho movies where you prefer the the perfection and the precision of something like parasite and i prefer the little more tangential things like memories of murder this is why like this i i redid my wes anderson ranked list um and i put this third i put it between ten bombs and fantastic mr fox Shot straight up to the top. I, I could I could see this movie. being as high as four on my list. I still I still like Grand Budapest, uh, Tenenbaums, and Miss Fantastic Mr. Fox more. I think they're just better movies. Pure. Yeah. 
but this is this is I'm not quite sure where it lands quite yet. It'll need another viewing, um, but I could see it being fourth on that list, and it's something that I, I return to quite happily along with those those top three. I am so excited for this Criterion. Yeah, we still need a Isle of Dogs Criterion. We do, we do. We'll get it. We just got Budapest, and that took fucking forever. I don't know how you feel. Slight tangent, which feels appropriate. Um, what? A few years later now, because we we went and saw Isle of Dogs together. Yeah. Um, what? What do you feel about that film? It's gotten better for me. I do like it a lot. Um, it's I gotten think, more irrelevant for me. Yeah, I think that's been a lot of uh, the case for a lot of people. Um, I still find it to be like one of his. Until Dispatch, I would have argued it's his finest stylistically. Well, maybe Budapest Hotel. Um, a lot of the issues I had with the story the first time around, I've actually come around on. I think it's a very, it's his surprisingly his most political, except yeah. for maybe Budapest. Um, I, 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 need like to re- I need to rewatch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. I haven't seen it streaming anywhere easily, which is probably why I haven't all, all jumped his, at the chance. Yeah. Do you, you so, don't own it? No, no. I, I mean. Have you seen it since it came out? No. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I've it's seen it like so, two or three times. It's so hard to justify getting a, a Wes Anderson Blu-ray when you know the Criterion is is floating around in the ether in many years to come. Like it won't be anytime soon. It, yeah, it'll be. A but while. it's it's coming. It's just hard to but, pick up a Blu-ray. Yeah, you know. the the, uh, the well, the Blu-ray I have actually has a good amount of special features. A main reason I wanted to buy it was because. They did like a little mini documentary on like the makings of all the stop motion uh, models and stuff. And I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I put it It's in the middle. It's in the middle of the list, but I like it a lot. Four and a half stone. I like it. I hope they continue with the I prefer the digipacks for Wes Anderson stuff. The I agree. The more kind of it fits the more unique feel of his style. Like, you know, the this is fine enough, but I just like the particularly the grand budapest one which is almost there's almost too much in that like where you open it and stuff just falls out all these yeah. papers and little yeah. fun little things he's done and i'm not it's not a complaint it's just it, it feels very wes anderson to have that it's not just yeah. a standard case i think that's that's pretty much all of them except for budapest and moonrise kingdom are digipacks do you want to place bets with uh isle of dogs will be in 4k or not <laughs> i doubt it <laughs> I, I doubt it. It certainly That'll has the option to like that. That's going to be any new movie. Um, yeah. Has the option to be in 4k older yeah. movies. You have to, you have to, um, have Some restored, restored the film for that. And they have, like, you'll read a lot of movies have been like, this film was restored at 4k or this film was restored at 2k. And obviously with the 2k, it's not going to get a 4k release anytime soon. Cause that would require another restoration. But I think yeah. Criterion has a fair amount of uh, backlogged titles that ha- that were originally restored at 4K and then scaled mm-hmm. down to Blu-ray. Would you recommend the French Dispatch? I w- yes, I would wholeheartedly recommend, especially because it's 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 Wes Anderson, such a unique filmmaking voice. You give him you give him your money; he deserves it. Made its production budget back, not necessarily the the full. I mean, he's got at the very least two more movies coming out, so I don't think he has to worry. Busy. That I I don't know how packed was your theater when you saw it. It wasn't. I was in fact it was probably the safest I've felt in a movie theater so far. Oh, 
nice. Um, because I think I was at least 20 feet away from any individual while sitting in that movie theater the entire time. Um, hmm. Not to say, I think there was probably at least 15 people in that theater, but it was, oh, it was a big, a yeah. it was a big room, but it was fairly, everyone was there, spread For out. me, there was, I was literally the only one there. Wow. Yeah, it was nice. I sat right in the center. Well, it as, wasn't as nice because you would, you'd, you would like to see more people. Well, I, I showed up at a weird time. It was a Tuesday at 4 p.m., like literally right after work I went. I went. And no uh, one goes then. Yesterday, Tuesday at 7.30, which now I'm starting to just go on Tuesdays. Like, I think I'm going to make that. It's a good day. You get. It is a great day for a the movie. discount discount day at uh, the theater. It's usually kind of quiet. The people who go are are movie appreciators. Yeah. Not and usually older people, people to kill. A, a, yes. Yes. Which can be a blessing and a curse because I found that older people are either A, they appreciate movies, so they're not going to be obnoxious, or B, they they feel entitled and they're going to be the most obnoxious people. I.e. the theater experience Nathan and I had it later in 2049. Did I ever tell you about the, the, the most amazing theater experience I had with older people? Please, please tell me. I went to go see First Reformed in 2018 by myself. And behind me, there was a row of it was a double date night for these these old peoples. Two two couples came in together, um, old man, old woman, both late sixties, early seventies, pair of them, uh, two pairs of them. Uh, and, and the movie ends, and as we know, it's weird. It's Paul Schrader. It's odd. Yeah. It especially gets odd towards the end. Uh, and the the credits roll, and I'm just like flabbergasted because I love that movie. Um, and uh, all I hear is the, the old people get up and as they leave, I hear one old lady said, I'm not sure what that was all about, but I think I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> that, that was cute. That's, cute. that's a good experience. I heard her say that and her husband say, he said something along the lines of me too, but why was that guy floating? <laughs> <laughs> The to to clarify the one of my favorite theater moments of all time. It was again in that Blade Runner twenty forty nine screening. In the moment, spoiler alert for the film, when you realize that uh, uh, Ryan Gosling okay. is not in fact the the special of the the hero. It's in fact the uh, the, the, the memory <laughs> the memory maker. Yes, yeah. You you find out it's her in that in that sequence, which very subtly but visually tells you the twist of the film it was one of those moments where like you something so obvious you're like the film is building up to this so this important moment it's telling you pretty obviously and just I, we hear from right over there the old woman leans over is like oh she's the daughter of <laughs> like, like out loud in the theater explaining what was happening in the film and like that coupled with like the importance of of the way Villeneuve tells his stories just made it so funny it's like it's not funny <laughs> thinking about it but like in the moment there was just some kind of like this this perfect just the the cluelessness of of those theater goers and the moment in the movie just kind of lined up in this very funny way great to remember was not fun in the theater <laughs> That's cinema. That's cinema. That's cinema. That's it. Thanks. Bye. See ya.